Well, while I was meditating, I wondered, what am I going to talk about? Where do I start? Because, <clears throat> you know, when we sit up here, we really have no idea what we're going to be talking about unless it's a retreat or workshop. We have sort of a plan. And so as I was sitting here, I just got quiet and went into that loving presence of God. <clears throat> and I heard, why don't you start where all this began? Well, for me at first, I thought, oh, that was when I was 18 years old and I gave my first talk <clears throat> to a group of people about spirit and about God. And I heard, no, that's not it. And I went, well, let's see. Uh, let's see, when I was 12, no, that's not it. At 12, I had a few other things that opened me up and gave me greater insight into God's presence and and who I was and what I was to do. And I said, well, where did this all begin then? And it took me back to when I was five years old. And there was a day in which I was sitting in the yard and I was playing. Actually, I was playing jacks with a friend of mine. We were uh, just playing with, with jacks and having a good time. And all of a sudden, something like snapped inside of me. And I knew I had to go and be by myself. So I, I don't know if I jumped up, but I got up pretty quick and I said, I've got to go. And I went into my bedroom and I laid down. And that's when I first had my revelation of God living within me and within all things. And as I was laying there, I became aware of this presence, this wonderful, joyful, loving presence, just as I was talking about within the meditation today. And it just kind of began to grow and grow in me and around me. And it filled me to the fullest that I could imagine being filled. And as I was laying there, I said, what are, who are you? And I heard, I am your creator. I am the one who created you so, so long ago. I am the one who lives in you and through you every breath and every day. And I am the one who is your fulfillment as you are my fulfillment. And so I still didn't have an answer. <laughs> so I said, are you God? And I heard, yes. And this simple, quiet peace just settled in on me. And from that day on, I became very aware. All I had to do was to look inward and upward up to the seat of the soul, and God is there. And God has never left, and that's true for all of you, because this is where the soul resides. This is where the truth of who you really are lives. You are a soul, and that soul is a spark of the divine that has come down into this creation to have experience. I know it's hard sometimes not to relate to your body first and think, no, no, I'm a body. 
I'm a mind. I'm emotions. Boy, am I emotions. But in truth, these are all the parts of the physical consciousness that we are utilizing, we the soul are utilizing to have experience in this material world. Without this physical body, without all the elements of the physical body present, we really can't have experience in the material world because our soul is of spirit. Its essence is loving. And it has nothing to do with this world. It can't relate to this world because it isn't a physical material matter. So in this body that you dwell right now, this is a very temporary thing. For some of us, it's very real, it's very dynamic, it's very important, and it may be the only thing that we really believe in and trust in is this physical form and this physical world. But in truth, I know from the age of five on that the true element of beingness as soul is eternal. In a sense, the soul had no beginning and it has no ending because it is God. It is a part of God. And as God is eternal, our soul is eternal. And when we are one in the soul, when we are wholly awake in soul, we know that. We know that to be the truth. But when we're in the physical form, we don't. The physical form takes a hold and pulls the consciousness and the attention of the soul down into itself, down into the physical form and all its matters, the physical, the imaginational, the astral, which is the emotional, the mind, and the unconscious. And in that down and outward look, we move into a place of forgetfulness. We forget who we are. And we begin to believe the story of the mind and what it's telling us. And that we are the body. And that we are the mind. And it's for us to live and fulfill this body and this mind. But I know it to be something very, very different. <clears throat> and many of you who are initiated and have been doing meditation are becoming aware of it as well. This body is not who you are. And the more you can become aware of that, the more you can live in your freedom, in your peace, in your joy, and in your liberation of the soul. This pathway is about liberating the soul, liberating it from this physical creation, even while you're in the body to be able to live in the body and to ever be aware of the greater truth of who you are. And when I was five years old, and I looked up and I said, but are you God? I had no idea really what God was or is. And when I looked up and 
It answered, yes, it was God. I still didn't know what to do with that. But I knew that something very important had happened to me that day. And I wanted more of it. <clears throat> and it's at that time that I began to spend time every day focusing on that place inside of me where I was told that God resides. I spent time, some time in prayer, talking to God, sometimes complaining to God. But I spent time every day in focus with God. Now for many of you, you may not even believe that God exists. And that's just fine. That's just fine. But there may be something inside of you that is also calling you and pulling you and directing you into something deeper <clears throat> than who you are as the mind and the body and the emotions. And that there is a desire for this quest to know the greater truth of who you are. I would say, if that desire, if that movement, if that questing inside of you is taking place, give it attention and give it opportunity to come more alive inside of you and to allow you to experience the greater truth of yourself. Because who you are in the physical body is not who you are in the truth of the creation. And the more you can become aware of the greater truth of who you, you are, <clears throat> the greater peace and love and joy will reside inside of you. I have found in working with people over the years, and there's been many of them that were atheist and agnostic, totally believing in the mind and the body, but they knew that they wanted something more. They wanted greater understanding, even if it was just to wake up and to be more fully in the mind. And I told them, something that I learned so long ago. First, as I was growing up, paying attention to the different things around me and the different statements around me. And then later when I was with my first physical spiritual teacher. <clears throat> In sports, they would talk about mocking it up. If you don't believe you can hit the ball with a bat, Make it up in your mind. Mock it up as though it's true. And eventually, you'll be able to do it. And mocking it up is one tool that really can help you in this spiritual practice. To make believe. So what if there isn't a God? But what if you made believe there was a God and God wanted to talk to you? What would that look like inside of you? What would that sound like inside of you? What would you do with that inside of you? 
I started out sharing this with someone who I never thought would ever break through what he felt was true. He was a neighbor of ours. My dad and him would get together and talk quite a bit. And one day he asked me, did I believe in God? And he asked me that because he had been talking to my parents and he found out that we didn't go to church, which he liked <laughs> because he didn't go to church and his family didn't go to church because of his, his beliefs, not because maybe of the family's beliefs, but of his. And so he wanted me to tell him what was the strong point in me. He wanted to find out if I was very mental in my way of doing life or emotional or physical. And I began to talk to him about God. And he looked at me and he looked at my father and he looked at me and my father said, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I just... Shared openly. I mean, that God is so true and real to me, there's no reason why not to just talk about it. Let it hang out there, so to speak. And he looked at me and he said, so you really believe in God? And I said, I know God. I don't believe in God. I know God. And he says, you know of God? No, I know God. And he said, how do you know God? And I said, because God introduced himself to me when I was five years old. About this time, I was about 12, 13, 14. And as we were talking, he said, well, how in the world did you meet God? Where did you meet him? Like, you know, on the street corner somewhere. Some... <laughs> and so I just began talking to him about how I met him here that this is where I found God to live. And God is ever right there with me. And he looked at my dad again, and my dad didn't do much of anything except just wait for whatever was going to be said next. And the man said, can you prove to me that there's a God? And I, no, I said, I can't. I'm, I'm not able to prove to you God is, is in existence. But God can prove it to you if you allow him to. And he looked at me and he says, well, go ahead, tell God to prove it to me. And I said, no, you've got to prove it to yourself. I can't prove it to you. And he said, how do I prove it to myself? And so I said, well, the way you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, is you've got to close your eyes and you've got to go inside and you have to make yourself available. And you have to let go of the mind. And he goes, I live in the mind. I make my career in the mind. And you want me to let go of it? And I said, the mind is going to get in the way. You've got to let go of the mind. So he said, all right, so tell me how I do this and I'll see what I can do. And so I 
told him how I did my prayers. I did not meditate as we do today. I did more prayer, and then in the prayer I would connect into the peace here, and I would follow the peace into God. So I talked to him about all that, and he says, well, that's very nice, and I'm glad you shared that with me. Thank you. And that was pretty much it. And I was kind of dismissed. And so I never thought much about it. And a few weeks later, he came to me, and he said, hey, Jim, come on over here. Let's sit. And so we, I went into the backyard with him, and we sat out on the patio, and we were talking. And he said, you know that little story you told me about trying to get to know God? And I said, yeah. And he looked at me, and he started getting a tear in his eyes. And I thought, oh, something happened. And he looked and he was very silent for quite a while. And he said, how is it possible that you know something this big? How did you do this? And I said, well, what did you do? <laughs> I knew what I did, and I don't know how I did it. It just happened. But I wanted to know what the terror was about. So I said, so what did you experience? What did you find out? Is there God? And he said, well, I fought. It was unbelievable. After you talked to me, there was this energy that pushed and pushed and pushed inside of me. And it wouldn't leave me alone. And then all of a sudden, it began to be a longing. And I felt empty inside. And I wanted something, but I didn't know what. And I didn't know how to get it. And I was really angry because my mind can figure all these things out. My mind can control so much inside of me, but I couldn't do anything with this longing, with this emptiness. And it was really disturbing to me, and it was getting in my way at work. I would stand up and try to teach the things that I teach in my course, and there was always this longing inside of me that hurt, that was painful, and that got in the way of my thoughts. So he said, about a week ago, I sat down and I went into this longing and I demanded it to leave. I didn't know where it came from. I knew it wasn't mine. And I wanted it to get out of me because I had never experienced anything like this before. And he said, it didn't go away. It wouldn't leave me alone. And the more I pushed against it to get it out of me, the stronger it got. And the bigger it got, and the more demanding it got. And I thought I was going to be going into an institution. I thought I was going crazy. Because there's this thing inside of me that has a life of its own now, and it's taking over me. And I didn't want it. He said, then one night, I was sound asleep. I'm sure of it. 
And all of a sudden, I heard a voice in the center of my beingness call out. And it was calling out from where the longing was. And it called my name. And it called my name. And it called my name. And he said, the only thing I knew to do was to say, shut up. Leave me alone. Whoever you are, go away. And it didn't speak. It didn't say a thing. But the longing was still there. The next night, I was sound asleep. And in a dream, I heard my voice being called. And in the dream, I began to follow it. I didn't want to, but it was like I had to. And so I followed it, and I followed it, and I followed it, and it took me into a cave. And I didn't want to go into it because where I was was already dark, and that cave was even darker. But I couldn't resist it. And I followed the call into the cave. And there was a presence. At first, I could feel it, but I could not see it. I wasn't scared, but I was certainly in wonder and doubt. And then the voice called my name once again, and it said, sit down and rest and be with me for a while. And so I did. I didn't seem to have a choice because there was nothing else I could do but to just do what I was asked. I sat there for a while. Nothing was said. Nothing happened. And then suddenly, I heard a sound. And the sound began to fill me. It came from the very center where this longing resided within me. And it grew and it grew and it grew until I was filled with the sound. And then suddenly I was out of my body. And I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know that my consciousness could separate from my body, but it did. And I was standing before this great light. And this great light spoke to me and said, just as with Moses on the top of Mount Sinai, I speak to you and share with you that I am. And he said, in the dream, he got up, he ran out of the cave, screaming, he said, because he really had thought he had gone crazy. And he woke up in a cold sweat and fearful, fearful that he really truly was going insane. And that's why he came over to talk to me. Because he said, 
if I'm going crazy, you're the cause of it. <laughs> and I want to know if you have a cure. <laughs> That's what he really said. And I said, I don't have a cure, and I'm not the cause of it. God is bringing this on you so that you know the greater truth. And that's what this pathway is about. It's for us to enter into this practice, even if we don't believe in God. And let's let God demonstrate to you who God really is in you. God already dwells within you, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not. And God is ever waiting to reveal itself to you. Just in, as I was revealed the truth at five years old, it's there for you right now. And it's up to you to relax into the experience, to allow it to happen. This pathway is a pathway of experience. It's not a pathway of believe in the words I share. It's about believe in that which you experience in your own meditation and in your own life because that's your truth. And I want you to have the greatest experiences inside in your meditation so that you know for yourself. You don't take it as my word to be the truth. My words are just words. But my experience is another thing. And nobody can take that experience away from me. I know the truth. I know the truth of God. I know that I dwell in God. I know I was created by God. And I know I am in God right now. And that there is no life and death, beginning or end. There is just presence of being. That's my experience. I want you to have that same experience so that you know that for yourself. Now, it may not be the same experience, but it will be an experience of loving. It will be an experience of the divine. It will be experience of you coming into the knowing of yourself. That's what this pathway is about. Once you have the experience, whatever it might be, it may not be of God. It may be of something totally different. But once you have the experiences inside of you through your meditation practice, you will have a greater knowledge, a greater knowing, a greater sense of who you really are as a spiritual being. And when I say mock it up, it really is to make it an action where you give yourself opportunity, where you create a space inside of yourself where something can happen, even if your mind says it can't. And believe me, your mind will do all it can to convince you that it's not going to happen and that it's not true. Because your mind right now may be the dominant force in your life. And your mind enjoys being the ruler of your consciousness. 
even though you have a soul and the soul is dwelling within you, as long as it's caught up in the mind and looking down and out into the world, the mind has great authority over this creation and over you as a soul dwelling in this creation. It's not until you take time and look inward and upward, not down and out, but inward and upward, that you can begin to wake up into the greater truth of who you are as a spiritual being, as a child of God. And you may end up calling this something totally different than God. For me, it's God, because that's how God introduced God to me. But for you, it may just be an experience of the living essence of beingness. Or as the, the greater action of the mind. Because there is a higher mind even within us. It's very interesting. When you walk this inner pathway for a while, you learn so much about yourself. And one thing about the mind is it has many different components to it. Just like in your emotions, you have joy and happiness and bliss and tears and pain and sorrow and yelling. And, and that's just in the emotional body and there's a lot more to it than that. So there is in the mind. We have all these different compartments, if you will, are parts of the mind. And the part that we know the best is that which I call the lower mind. And the lower mind is that which is down and out, looking down and out, ever. Holding our focus down and out, bringing our attention down and out holding us into experience down and out into the physical world. And it's very good at that. And we've become so adept to it that we now do it all the time automatically. We don't think about it. We don't have to focus it and direct it. It like, pfft. we open our eyes in the morning and boom, down and out. Back into our worry, back into our concern, back into the control, back into whatever. But when we close our eyes, when we close our eyes, in that moment that we close our eyes, something disconnects in that action. Just for a moment. And our attention goes back inward and upward. Just automatically. We don't have to direct it. It will go automatically inward and upward as we close our eyes. I learned this by going to church. I went to all these different churches. I was not raised by... My, my parents never went to church, so I was never raised to be in a particular uh, religion of Christianity. A different. I went to one every different one every day, every Sunday the Baptist, the Methodist, Presbyterian, the Unitarian. I went to all these different places. And then once in a while, I would even go to synagogue. I wanted to make sure I covered my bases, I guess. <laughs> but I just wanted to know about God. And I wanted to see how people approach God. And, and so I went to all these churches to discover just that. Well, one day I was standing in the back at a Catholic church and 
we stood to say the Lord's Prayer. And I was pretty much all the way in the back. And I was watching and looking up there and watching the priest. And, and all of a sudden, as people closed their eyes, I noticed, oh my God, everything started going right up here to the top of the head of each person. And there was like a little burst of light. And I thought, oh, wow, there's a demonstration, Jim. Pay attention. And so I'm watching that, and they started, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, the moment they said, Our Father, there was this burst of light out of the heads of so many people, not everybody, but so many people that were there. I thought, oh my God, this is really it. This is a demonstration to me that this is where the Father dwells. So I would, I, <laughs> you know how you get superstitious and you think, well, I, I have to reduplicate that experience again to have it. So normally I would go to different churches. I wouldn't go to the same one all the time. But I started going back to the same one and trying to sit in the same pew if I could. And, and then I would just st sit there and just watch, stand there and just watch. And almost every time the Lord's Prayer was said, I saw that happen. And then finally one day I went, you know, I got to go to other churches and see if they're doing this. Like, yeah, they, they've planned it this way, but uh, that's how I thought. So I went to an, another church the next Sunday, and sure enough, there it was again. And I was kind of relieved, because now I get to go to all these different churches, and it's going to be okay. It's not like only the Catholics have it. And so... I started visiting all these different places and I went, oh, I got to go to the synagogue and see what they're doing there. And so I, I never got to sit in the back of the synagogue. I was always pulled up as a guest into the front, but that was okay. So I'm sitting there and they're starting to do their prayers and, and all of a sudden I, I started looking around and the gentleman next to me kind of was irritated that I was... <laughs> You know, kind of like <laughs> trying to see the, all this. But finally I just settled down and I watched what was in front of me and there it was. It wasn't the Lord's Prayer, but it was a prayer in Hebrew. And as they began to say it, it was a blessing. There it was. And I was like, all right. Everybody's got this. It's not just me. <laughs> I mean, I was probably eight or nine years old at the time. So with that, I had my proof. I had my proof from inside my own experience, but then I expanded my experience to witness it elsewhere. So then I began to ask, what is this that I'm witnessing? And that's when I began to learn the difference between the lower mind and the higher mind. And you might wonder, is there really a lower and higher mind? I challenge you to go in and find out. I can only tell you again my experience. But when you find out that you have a lower mind and a higher mind, 
you're going to stop listening to that lower mind of yours because you'll see what it's doing to you. That is the trap. That is the trap of this creation that holds us in bondage. And it's for you to liberate yourself. The teacher is here to give direction on how to do that. But you've got to liberate yourself. You've got to free yourself of the trap of this creation. And the mind is one of the biggest traps of it. The lower mind. So I started every day in my meditation or what it was really back then prayer, asking God, I want to know more. I want to know more. Explain to me what this is that I'm seeing. And so I began to get instruction from um, a presence of the Holy Spirit coming to me to talk to me about all this and began teaching me. And so I was shown that whole thing about the lower mind and that the lower mind is that which holds us in bondage in this creation. And as long as we keep looking down and out and believing the storyline the mind of the lower mind makes for us, the stronger the trap is. And then I learned that if we can just look up, just like I was doing my meditation every day, looking up to that place above the lower mind, above the mind itself, because this is the seat of the soul. Below the eyebrow center is the world, the physical world, the physical creation, and the elements that make up the physical body. From here up, you're beginning to enter into the realm of soul, spirit, and God. And you begin to leave behind all that which is of the world. So, as I was being instructed, I was shown the lower mind and how it worked and how it functioned and how once it can get a hold of the soul's attention, it will hold very strongly to keep the soul's attention down and out. And it's for the soul itself to begin to dislodge its focus, dislodge its attention on the world below and bring it upward. So we have to take and begin to free the soul from the hold of the mind, the lower mind, and begin to point it in the direction we now want to hold our focus on. And then we begin to have the inner experience, the experience of God, the experience of our own soul, the experience of our spiritual nature, and the truth of who we really are. So I was excited because I felt like I was on the verge of something big, a big discovery for myself. And so I said, well, if there's a lower mind, does that mean that there's a higher mind? And I heard, that's good. You're jumping ahead a little bit, but that's good. (laughs) And then they went back and explained to me more about the lower mind so that I would really understand the trap. I mean, it is a trap. And 
The mind will tell us all kinds of things about ourselves, make us believe in ourselves in a certain way. We're worthy, we're unworthy, we're good, we're no good. Whatever it takes to keep us in bondage here. And it has no value system of right or wrong, of good or bad. It only has using that tool that will keep us entrapped. And if it's an unworthiness that will keep us here, then we are going to be very unworthy. And if it is a value system where we are greater than everybody else, then we're going to be greater than everybody else. But we're going to be looking down and out to do that and to express that and to be that in the world. And so I kept saying after I asked that first question about the higher mind, I would go, but yeah, but what about the higher mind? <laughs> and so he's, the voice said, I will share with you what I'm going to share with you. You can ask what you want, but I am going to share with you what I'm going to share with you. So for a while, we still focused on the lower mind, and I saw how I myself <clears throat> were holding on to some of the elements of the physical and the lower mind, just because that's the nature of the human being that we are, the humanness of us. And so once I began to understand that, then I went, okay, so I have to work on myself and not let myself fall down and get trapped and to believe in all this. So I did what it instructed me to do. And I mean, this is over days and weeks. And then one day, the voice said, okay, now we're going to talk about what you seem to want to talk about. And it, like a fool, I said, what? <laughs> I had kind of, not, I can't say I forgot, but it just wasn't in my mind right then, I guess. And so when they said that, I, just, I wasn't sure what we were going to talk about. And then the voice said, we're going to talk about the higher mind, your higher mind. And so I began to listen, and the voice said, the higher mind knows of God. The higher mind wants to know of God and know God in an experience. But it needs to have the lower mind let go of the soul to be able to have the experience. Because the higher mind cannot know God directly because it is not of spirit. The higher mind, just like the lower mind and all the components below it, are of the material world. And they are part of the makeup of the material body. And they serve the material body. But the higher mind knows that there's something greater than itself. And it wants to know that. But because it is material in nature, it's matter, it can't know that directly. So it needs the soul. It needs the soul to be able to experience what the soul is going to experience in the knowing of God, in the knowing of itself as a spiritual being. And I got so excited because I recognized that's what I had been doing. Really ever since I was five years old, that higher mind of mine was ever supporting me in going upward.
And when I would sit and I would pray, I would pray so many different ways, trying to find a way that really would work. And I would kind of wander off in my thoughts. Anybody do that in meditation? And I'd get caught up in my emotions. I'd be angry one day because something happened at school and I, you know, I've, I just, I've got to prove that I'm right or whatever it was. And, and the higher mind would call me back. But I didn't know what this was. But there was something inside of me that was mine, that was me, that would call me back upward toward God. And I would go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I'm doing here. And so I was glad to finally have a name for it, the higher mind. It's calling me back because it's important for it to know God through my experience of knowing God. It could never have direct experience with God because it isn't of spiritual nature. And all of a sudden I realized after talking this way with this this voice, that I was serving this higher part of my consciousness of the physical. It isn't serving me. I am serving it. And then my higher mind said, I'm serving you. I am never taking you out of your lower focus and calling you up once again. So I'm serving you I'm serving you to serve me, but I'm serving you. It's together we do this. And then I began to have a greater honoring of my higher mind. Because before that, I kind of didn't have a lot of respect for my physical body or my physical consciousnesses, my emotions, my mind and all that. Because I saw them sort of as an enemy to my soul, trying to keep me trapped here. But all of a sudden, I had a friend in my physical consciousness, which was this higher mind. And we began to do this together in a way that I I never had been able to do it before. And it was very nice because I developed a relationship with the higher mind and it would begin to share with me what it had experienced, what it did know, and what it wanted to know. And it just made this whole journey so real because this physical nature, this physical element was ever calling me to do with it so that I would wake up into myself more greatly and it would begin to have experience of that awakening and knowing of the spiritual nature of myself. So we all have this quality. We have the lower mind and the higher mind that is ever working within us. And the lower mind is, I'm not going to say an enemy, but it's not the great partner that you might think it is. Because it has an agenda of its own, and that is to be the dominant force in the physical nature of your beingness and really in the world. If you look around, it's the mind that's doing it all. But the higher mind is there for one thing, 
And that is to come into an experience of spirit, of God, into the knowing of it. The higher mind inside of you may not really know that there is a God yet because you yourself have not allowed yourself to have the experience of God, to have that higher experience of your own loving. But that higher mind is there to assist you, to guide you, to call you back. I wouldn't be surprised if there's been times when you've been in meditation and you go to sleep. And then it's like something calls you to wake up. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> and it's calling you to wake up because it wants to know. Come on, while we're here, let's look up. Come on. Get the experience. Have the experience. So I know too. So be aware. There is those tools inside of you that you can use to allow yourself to wake up to the greater truth within you. And again I say, no one can do this for you. You have to do it yourself. This is about a personal relationship with you, that loving being inside of you, and that which created that loving being. Call it God, call it loving, call it higher consciousness, call it universal consciousness. I don't care what you call it. There is something there for you to know about yourself that you may not know fully about yourself yet. It's very subtle to the physical. It's hard for the physical consciousness to grasp it and understand it or to allow itself to experience it. But it's true. And once you have experienced it, it becomes a greater truth inside of you. And that's what this pathway is about, to allow yourself to know the greater truth, the hidden truth, the secret truth, that often people are not even aware is there. We sense something, but we don't go after what it is to find out what it is. And a lot of times it's because we're afraid. What's behind the door? What's under the bed? What's in my head above me? What, what, what? The unknown is so frightening to many of us. And we're not willing to walk through it. I remember when I was a child, I used to wake up in the middle of the night and I'd always be laying on my left side. I don't know why, but that's when I woke up at that time of night, I was on my left side and I would be aware. It was, it was interesting. When I'd go to sleep at night, as I was going to sleep, I would be aware of this bright, bright light uh, on the headboard and, and above me. And... I kept saying, who is that? Who are you? And the presence would say, I'm like a guardian angel. I'm just here so that you know that God is with you in this night so that you rest in peace. So I would lay there and most of the time it was there already 
or it would come very in very quickly. But once in a while, it wasn't there. And I'd go, uh-oh, <laughs> this isn't right. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be here. And so I would lay there, and I would call it in. I'd say, hello, come on, I'm going to go to sleep now. You've got to get here. <laughs> I don't want to go to sleep without you. And it would come in. And so one night I woke up, and um, gosh, I was probably seven or eight years old, and I could sense something was at the foot of my bed, and I had never really felt this before. And so I started to sit up and look to see who it was, but I was afraid. There was something that I was just nervous. I, I, I was uncertain. So I just would lay there until it would go away, and then I'd go back to sleep. And I'd wake up every few weeks with that same experience. And I'd just lay there like, no, no, I don't want to see. I don't want to do this. Then finally one day, months, years, whatever it was, I woke up and I went, you know, I've just got to do this. I've got to sit up and do this. And so I rolled on my back. I did it very slowly. I didn't want it to know I was moving. <laughs> Like, yeah, right. And I sat up very slowly, and there it was. It was a spiritual being, a spiritual presence. And it just gave me so much insight and so much knowledge in that moment. And I thought to myself, after it was all over with, I went, wow, I was afraid of that? What is wrong with me? But that's it. The unknown we're afraid of. Don't be afraid of it. There's nothing to really be afraid of. That which you are afraid of is an illusion. It's not real. But that which is real will prove to you itself to be of goodness, of loving, of truth. And that's important for you to recognize. You know, have you ever been chased in the dreams by monsters or scary things? And you just run and run and run and run trying to get away from it. Well, I used to have that happen. I used to have all these weird, ugly things chasing me sometimes. Not all the time, but once in a while. And finally I got so tired of running, I stopped and I turned around and I just looked at it. And this one was horrendously ugly. I mean, just awful. And I just looked at it. And nothing happened for a moment as it came running towards me. And then it stopped. And I thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. It actually stopped. It didn't, didn't come at me. It didn't grab me. It just stopped. And it looked at me. And I looked at it. And I said... I'm not really afraid of you now. I know you're trying to scare me, but I'm not really afraid of you. And I reached out to touch it, and it disappeared just like that. It didn't want me to touch it. I didn't touch it, but it, ran, it just disappeared. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, I've been running away from something, and now I know it's afraid of me. And that's the truth of it. All these things that you're running away from inside yourself, 
or an illusion. It's a make-believe of your mind to keep you controlled, to keep you in fear. Fear is the energy that keeps us here. Fear is the energy that holds this creation together. But if we can love it all, if we can let go of the fear of it all, it has no bond on us. And we can dwell in that peaceful place within us and nothing of disturbance is going to cause us harm. Yeah, there's still going to be noise in the world. There's going to be disturbances in our emotions and the mind. But you know how to live now more centered in the peace of who you are, the truth of who you are, and the loving of who you are. And that is going to be different. The loving that is your soul, the loving that you are, is neutral. It's neutral in nature. It has no charged energy to it, no positive nor negative. Loving just is. And if we can live in that isness, in that neutrality, the charged energies of this lower creation, because this world is a world of polarity, positive and negative, if we can live in the center of it all and not get caught up in the negative or the positive, we can live more peaceful, more centered, more whole and complete <coughs> with direction and purpose. <clears throat> and that's important. So if you find yourself caught up in disturbance, somebody comes up and yells at you and blames you and tries to put stuff on you, just in that moment, just keep your eyes open, no problem, but just focus your attention up here to the truth of who you are, to your soul, and say, I am a child of God. And as a child of God, I live in my loving. And in my loving, I step forward in action. And that's a key, in action, not reaction to what is taking place in my life right now. In an action, it may be turn around and walk away. In action, it may be step up and, and share something, say something. In action, it may be just stand there and do nothing until they stop yelling and they get so mad at you because you're supposed to get mad. Come on, argue with me, do something and do nothing. They'll just walk away going, yep, they're stupid. They're crazy. I knew there was something wrong with them. <laughs> and you just kind of shake your head. Yep, I am. Thank you. <laughs> and walk away. It's fine that way to stay in your loving, in that presence of who you are. Don't get caught up in the world because the world's going to do everything it can to poke you, to stick you, to stab you, to hurt you, to prod you into reaction. This world is a world of reaction. I don't know if you've noticed that, but everywhere you turn, it's reaction. Politics, religion, money, relationships, sexual energies, 
It's all about reaction. But if we can live in that quiet centeredness, the world cannot pull us off center so easily. And the beautiful thing I found on this pathway is this. That place of neutrality inside of us really exists, and it's there all the time. But for many people, it's like a thin thread of energy. And it's surrounded by all this other stuff of the world. The noise, the pain, the anger, it's all around us. But when we go into meditation, we're going up here to the seat of the soul where this thread of conscious loving is ever coming forth. And if we can connect into that and know that loving, we're going to find that we will be aware of where that loving is inside of us, even if it's just a thread. And that we can get to that place where it is. And you may find that in your daily life, the world swings like a pendulum, back and forth, positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, negative. And it's up to us to find that centered point. And you're going to find eventually, if not right away, you're going to be consciously swinging back and forth. And you'll go, oh, there it is, there, oh, shoot. Okay, there, there it is. <laughs> but every time you acknowledge it, you give it strength and you allow more of its essence to come down into the physical consciousness and it will get bigger and bigger and bigger every time you acknowledge it, every time you look for it, every time you choose into it. It'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. And at first it's a little thread, then it's a string, then it's a rope, then it's a number of ropes all bound together until finally it gets wider and wider and wider until it's so wide you can't get out of it. Swing as the pendulum might go, you can't leave the loving. The loving is there and that's who you live in. That's what you are now. And the disturbances can come into you and, and be yelling at you and try to pull you off your center. But guess what? If your center is this big, it's pretty hard to get off center. And that's the case. But it starts by you going inside, doing the meditation, and discovering for yourself that loving essence inside of you. That place where I say God dwells. And once you know this, you know a tool by which to live in freedom in this world. Because this world truly is a mess. The Lord of this creation did not have the element of love to create with. The Lord of this creation is an aspect of God, and as that, I always bow to him. <laughs> In great love and gratitude, because it is a part of God, even though it denies it. But I know that it is an aspect of God that has been sent here for a lot of different reasons to create this creation. 
And it actually serves God in a great way because it allows God to come into this creation and experience the separation from God, just as this aspect has created for itself separation from God. And it's a great learning. It's a great tool. So, this, this Lord this, of this creation did not have the tools by which to create life here. It didn't have the element of loving. It only had the element of reflection. And so it created a, a great reflection of the realms above. And the souls from above said, oh, I haven't been down there. Let's go take a look. What is that? Oh, there's, why am I seeing myself down there? Oh, I've got to go find out who I am down there. I'm already down there. Look at that. And after we just chase after our own reflection, and that's what we're doing this whole time we're in this creation. We're chasing after our outer reflection. Running around like if we have our head cut off, not knowing what we're doing, where we're going, but, oh, there I am. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay, I've got to go over there now. And that's how the Lord of this creation got souls to come down here. And so God lets us be down here to have our experience, to learn our lessons. And one of the lessons is the Lord of this creation only has the element of fear. It left God in fear. And it controls and creates in this creation through fear. It actually lives in fear, on fear. It, it is the food of the Lord of this creation. So every time you get fearful, the Lord of this creation goes, ooh, yum, yum, yum. That's going to taste good. And it'll push everything it can towards you that you become even more fearful. But if you know this loving neutrality inside of you, you have a different place to choose into so that you don't react and you find a way to act. And that's a key. That is a big key in this creation. Stay in action. The moment you go into reaction, you're caught up back in the world. And that's okay. That's what we do. That's okay. But know that you know another way to do this, and that is stop reacting and go back into action. Whatever that might be. And the action may be to do nothing. And the action may be to apologize. Or the action may be to give a clearer statement. And the action may be look and see if you can understand where they're coming from that you're, is causing you to go into reaction. And then you don't have to be in reaction with them. You go, okay, so I see where they're at now. And that's okay. I'm just going to let them have their belief. I'm going to have let them have their reaction. But I don't have to get caught up in it. I hope that makes sense. It's a real big key to your life being easy. You know, Jesus said, my burden is light and my way is easy. And it is. When you begin to understand this neutrality, this loving that is you, 
and you begin to live in it more and more and choose into it more and more, the burdens of life become lighter. Yeah, you're going to have a burden as long as you're in the world. That's just the way of the world. Unless you don't, and if you don't, I want to know how you do that. <laughs> because I still have some burdens. I still have some of those things that I carry around with me and have to deal with every day. But that's just human nature. That's the way of this world. But I also know where that loving resides in me, and I can choose into it in a moment, and I can come quiet, and I can come to peace, and I can rest in that. And so the burden is light. And the way is easy because once you know who you really are as a soul, as a spirit, as a child of God, and you begin to choose to live into that more and more every day, the way is a lot easier. But the way home to God is easy too because you know where God dwells and you know how to get there. And all of a sudden, that straight and narrow path that is talked about <coughs> is right there for you to walk every day. and for you to live into every moment of every day. So, at the age of five, God revealed God to me. When is God going to be able to reveal God to you? That's the question. Has God revealed to you God in your meditation already? And maybe God has in increments, little bits here, little bits there, easing you into it. At five years old, I didn't have a strong mind to block the way. I was pretty open and vulnerable, and God took an opportunity to get in there before all this other gook got in there. But I can guarantee that if you will give time every day to meditation, being devoted, being in devotion with God, loving with God, God will reveal itself, even if you don't believe it. Just do it anyway. And let God prove God to you. Even dare God. Come on. If you really exist, show me. Let me know. Let me be in the oneness with you. And I can guarantee that in time, you will know God. I don't know how it will be revealed to you. I know how it was revealed to me. But it's different for everyone. And yet it's the same, because it is the same God. And even the soul that you are is the same as the soul that I am. In soul, we are one. In soul, there is no separation, there is no difference. We are one. That's the beauty of it. We are one. And that's how I see you as a soul. When I first started doing this, God said, ever see each individual as the soul that they are and know them to be that. And don't get caught up in the nature of the world that they play. 
know them to be the soul that they are and hold that for them that they might know that themselves in time. And that's what I've always done. And I have known souls who have woken up into the knowing of themselves as a spiritual being. And there's a great rejoicing inside themselves and inside the spiritual universes when a soul wakes up into itself. It's quite amazing. And I get to participate in that rejoicing. That's even more wonderful. It's, it's a great place to be. So I want you to have those experiences too. And go have your experience in the world. That's important. Because your soul is here to learn lessons that this world has to offer you. You know, we talk about the 90% and the 10%. Well, the way that works is this. The soul, when it comes into the physical universe to have experience here, it has a group of lessons that it is to learn as a soul in this creation. Because this creation has a group of lessons that it can teach each soul about itself and about its own creativity and its loving nature. And it's for us to come down here and have those experiences. And each time we reincarnate into a life here, we bring with us a certain group of lessons that are yet unlearned and that we are to learn here before we leave here. The Lord of this creation is really a good guy. He has the lessons plan. He has the test. And he's going to make sure you pass. His direction is, don't let a soul leave your hand until they pass with flying colors. So he isn't going to let go of you. You have been placed in his hand. You've placed yourself in his hand when you came into this creation. And he's got you now. And he's gonna, he says, I'm not letting go of you till you learn all the lessons. You've got to learn them all. You've got to learn 100% of each one, and you've got to learn them all. Well, guess what? That's a lot. And with all the noise and all the fear and all the stuff that goes on in this world, we learn some of it, but we don't learn the whole lesson in, in one lifetime. It's over eons of lifetimes that we finally do learn. Well, if you're drawn towards the path of liberation, you have completed 51% or more of those unlearned lessons. Wait, wait, wait. 51%? Are you kidding me? I've got 49% or a little bit less to go? Are you kidding me? How long did it take me to get 51% done? Well, this is where the grace works. When you have learned up to 51% of those lessons, the grace of the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to work with you against the Lord of this creation's want to begin to liberate you, to get you out of here. Because you have learned enough of what this creation is all about 
that it's now time for you to move on and experience other aspects of God elsewhere. And believe me, this is the only part or aspect of God there is where you live in separation and in pain and in fear. All the other places, all the other aspects are absolutely wonderful and beautiful and in the spiritual and soul realms, not in separation in the material world. So the grace comes in and begins to work with you and help you to learn the lessons quicker by directing you, by guiding you, by giving you more clarity in your understanding of this nature, of this creation, and that which is you. And in time, you're drawn to a path of liberation where the sacred name resides. And that sacred name is truly the keys to the kingdom. That sacred name holds within it the essence of God itself. Not the name spoken, but the essence within that name is that essence of God that will liberate you. It is the grace action of the Holy Spirit. And so when you're called into this pathway, it tells me, okay, they have been drawn here because they've learned so much of the lessons that they need to learn and it's time now to let the world go and go home. And I'm to give you the tools, Brian is to give you those tools that will do that. So when you come to us for initiation, Brian and I together, along with Kelsey, initiate you in order to go higher. And we give you the tools. And oh my God, they're the simplest tools, but people get so confused with them. Loving, accepting, and forgiving. What? What, what do I have to accept? What do, why do I have to forgive them? It's their stuff. It's not mine. I don't want to forgive them for that. I have to love them? Yuck, I don't even like them. Are you kidding me? I can never forgive them. I can never love them. Well, those are some of the tools. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so we give you the tools. And one of the tools is the sacred name. By chanting that name over and over within your consciousness, it begins to bring about a greater vibration of loving inside of you. And it calls the presence of God inside of you to come more alive and awake in your daily life. And it's a beautiful thing because we have five realms that we have to make our way through. From the physical, there's six. There's the physical, then there's the astral, the causal, the mental, the etheric, and the soul realm. Those are the five that we are given the names to work through. The first level, the physical, we've given you that name even outside of initiation, which is who or hue. If you just focus on the who or hue or an I who, you will find yourself automatically going here to the seat of the soul if you do it enough.
And in that action, you're already moving inward and upward through the inner kingdom within yourself, through all the different realms within yourself, and rising here and taking dominion over the physical. That's a big step. That's a huge step. But then with the other five names, you have the name of the Lord of each of those realms. Now, you've heard of the power of the name. The power of the name is truly an experience of putting love into that name that you speak, and it empowers it within you so that now it serves you. And the name of the Lord tells the Lord of this particular realm, say, the, the astral, the imaginational level, you say his name over and over and over, and he goes, okay, okay, I hear you. You have the authority to go through my realm. I get it. You know my name. So go through my, my realm now. Go through it in peace. And know that you are making your way higher up towards God. I can't hold you back anymore. I can't put my hand out and say, no, you cannot go past this point. Because you're to stay here and learn lessons. And until you learn the lessons, you don't have the authority to go beyond me. But now that you know my name, I have to let you pass. So move on your way. And then you say the name of the next Lord, of the causal emotional realm. And that Lord too says, please move on the path. Keep moving higher. I can't stop you anymore. And so with the Lord of the mind and the mental realm and of the unconscious and up into the soul. Why do you have the name of the Lord of the soul realm in this sacred name? Because that is where you as a soul want to wake up and you want to anchor yourself there. And where before saying the name of the lower realm lords allowed you passage through those realms, saying the name of the Lord of the soul realm anchors you there in the soul realm. That is now your new home. That is now the lowest point that you can ever go again. And even if you were to die, if you've anchored yourself in the soul realm, you're never going to be drawn back into the physical realm again. And that's a huge statement. And that I know to be the truth. I'll talk a little bit longer and then we'll break. The story of Jesus walking upon the water is a very important symbol. And it has a lot of meanings to it. One of them is this. Jesus walking upon the waters is saying that he has overcome this world. He has risen above it. And no longer is he a part of the lower creation. Well, the lower creation is considered the sea of life. It's a world of water, if you will. 
It's the sea of life. And Jesus walking upon the sea of life is saying, I have conquered it. I am above it. And I am here to lift up others and let them be above it as well. When he walked on the waters to the boat that contained the apostles in the storm, he was able to calm the storm because he knows the centeredness. He knows the peace. Just as we are to learn how to calm the storms in our daily life, he was able to calm the storm that was in theirs. And he walked over to the boat and Peter said he was going to walk on the waters as well. And he stepped out and for a moment he was walking upon the water and then he began to sink. And Jesus had to reach down and pull him up because he was sinking into the waters. And that's what happens to disciples at first. They haven't learned fully how to stay above this creation. They still will sink down into it until they anchor themselves in the soul realm. Once you've anchored yourself in the soul realm, and anchoring it means you now know yourself as soul and you know that God and you are one. At that point, you are in dominion, you are over this creation and it can't pull you back down anymore. Until then, even the Lord of this creation can tempt you and tease you with all kinds of different ways. Whatever it is that attracts you and holds you here, oh look, I think that person wants to have sex with you. Don't you want to go back down there and have that? That would be wonderful. Oh my God, you've, you've got to do that. Don't leave before you do that. Well, look, that lady down there, she's cooking you a cake. The cake that you love so much. She's baking it for you. You don't want to disappoint her. You've got to go back down there and have the cake. I mean, whatever it is that will draw your attention, that's what's going to call on you. And I've watched... And souls that have actually are able to walk upon the water to some extent, I will see the hands of this world come up and grab their ankles and try to pull them back down. And until they have walked off the sea of life and onto the shores of the soul realm, those hands can come up and pull you back down. And I've seen people go down. And I have to allow that. I can't be like Jesus and say, oh, come on, don't do that. Because it just means they've got another experience they've got to fulfill. So that's a little bit of my story <laughs> and of my truth and of my experience. And I hope that it gives you some insight there's so much truth here in this pathway. There's so much wisdom, so much insight, and so many ways by which you can liberate the soul in such simple, easy ways and not have to come back into this. 
And even while you're living in it, you can be at greater peace. And I know that to be the truth. If you want peace, if you want to know true loving, if you want to know the joy that really dwells within you, spend time every day meditating and let it prove itself to you. But that means you have to be devoted to the meditation. You have to sit down, meditate, And when the mind kicks in, you go, go away, go away. I'm not doing you right now. Thank you, but no thanks. And keep your focus on God. God first and God only. That's what I was told at five years old. I was told God first and God only. By the voice, by the presence of God itself. I was told, ever have God first and God only in your life. And God will be first in your life always. And I know that to be true in meditation. The more you can bring yourself back to God first, oh, yeah, that's right, this is about God, not me. This is about God, not that pizza that I want to have. This is about God, not whatever. And But that's, that's what's going to happen. Just like the hands can come up and pull you down off, off the sea of life, the surface, you can be drawn right out of your meditation and back into the world. And I'm sure anybody who's been meditating in here knows what I'm talking about. And 30 minutes later, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm meditating. <laughs> now, now, do I have to meditate 30 minutes more? Or, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, that's even a distraction. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you what I thought. And so the key is, if you're focusing on God, just keep bringing your focus back to God. It isn't about the time. It's about the focus. It's about the loving. And it's about you bringing your attention back again, back again, back again. And the more you can do that, the easier it'll get. And the more you can do that, the longer you can hold your attention on God. And I have a lot of stories about all that for, for my own experience too, but we'll do that another time.